for Radio 1 91FM podcast. Far-right leader Giorgia Meloni has claimed victory in Italy's election and is on course to become the country's first female prime minister. Meloni is widely expected to form Italy's most right-wing government since World War II. That will alarm much of Europe as Italy is the European Union's third biggest economy. However, speaking after the vote, Meloni said her Brothers of Italy party would govern for everyone and would not betray people's trust. James Headley is an associate professor at the University of Otago's Department of Politics. His research interests include the European Union, nationalism and ethnic conflict. Earlier I spoke to James about what Giorgia Meloni's election victory means for the future of Italy and Europe as a whole. Here's our conversation. James, who is Giorgia Meloni? What's her background and why did such a large proportion of the Italian populace vote for her? Uh, well, she's a relatively young um, politician and sort of a bit out of the mould, I suppose, for Italy as a female leader. And she will presumably be the first uh, female prime minister in Italy. Um, began from a group that really kind of splintered away from Berlusconi's uh, Forza Italia, but also uh, she herself was uh, a member of the kind of broader movement, which is why some people call her... Uh, post-fascist or kind of even use the label fascist because it was a movement that was set up after the Second World War by sympathizers of Mussolini. So that's her background. Um, I'll, I'd say two reasons why people would vote for her. One is that she, I suppose, breaks partly because she breaks the mould, but also she was not in the coalition government. So there was this kind of what we'd call a technocratic government under Mario Draghi, which was a sort of broad coalition um, and she wasn't a member of that. And when that was brought down with the Five Star Movement leaving it, um, I think she benefited from not having been involved with that, that she was able to kind of criticise government policies and, and develop her own independent position. But I think also uh, the vote is partly a kind of reaction against that technocracy. We've seen that in the past. And what we mean by technocracy is, in fact, with uh, Draghi, almost uh, somebody who hasn't come to power really through elections and is supposed to be there as expertise, as an expert. He was uh, the former president of the uh, European Central Bank at the, at the height of the Eurozone crisis and did actually a lot to kind of save the euro in many ways. Um, so he's sort of seen as a part of that kind of European elite following kind of safe policies. But uh, uh, there's often a kind of reaction against that kind of position, who, um, particularly uh, when people's uh, uh, livelihoods uh, are at risk at the moment with the with the rising costs and everything. So uh, I think she benefited from that, and we can see it also as part of a kind of wider movement across Europe that uh, more extreme right wing parties are getting electoral success. Success we've just seen it in Sweden. It comes and goes. We had that um, previously in Slovenia and Estonia, but they're now out of government. So, But it is part of the broader one. And, of course, the big ones are Hungary and Poland in, in that context. Uh, one of the common threads of the media's response to Maloney's victory um, is is to label Maloney and her supporters as far-right, extreme-right, which um, you've even done so yourself. Is, is it an accurate assessment to 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 label the Brothers of Italy, Maloney's party, as being far-right? And do they carry some kind of ideological baggage over from Mussolini's Italy? Yeah. Because he was obviously far, a yeah. far-right figure. He was a close ally of Hitler's. But are, are the labels not a bit more obscure now than they were in yeah. post-World War II? Yeah, very good question. And the way it's kind of evolved is quite interesting. Um, I mean, she herself 
says, you know, I'm not here to kind of recreate fascism, but at the same time, there's symbols which are used, which are kind of um, reminiscent of the fascist era. And Italy didn't really go through the kind of big purging of fascism, the big kind of reckoning with fascism that Germany did. So there remained a lot of sympathizers. And I think there are those within her party who have been less kind of careful in trying to distance themselves from that. Um, So she herself has been kind of quite careful to say we're not a fascist party in that sort of sense. But... uh, the, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that others in a party aren't, and also the supporters, uh, people who voted for her, some of them uh, may be kind of reminiscent reminiscent of that and the idea of a great Italy and strong Italy and, and law and order and that sort of thing. Um, but I think in terms of the label, um, far right, extreme right, um, it is quite complex. Um, apparently in uh, some Italian analysis, she's kind of not called extreme right, she's more kind of centre-right, because there's more to the right of her. Mm. <laughs> Parties more to the right of her, including um, Liga. Um, but I think usually where um, analysts kind of use the term far-right is in um, contrast to the centre-right. So, for example, like the National Party in, in New Zealand um, or Conservative Party in the UK. So if that's your kind of centre-right, then the far-right are those that are kind of more nationalistic, uh, more in terms of kind of law and order sort of things. Um so and and within that bigger group, say to the right of the centre right, I think you do get a kind of distinction between the say extreme, say neo-Nazi kind of fascist type ones, um, and then ones which we might call, I suppose, uh, extreme right or neo um, new forms of nationalism. I suppose Kasmud, who's a, a very good political analysis and academic on this, um, talks about them as sort of. Uh, trying to create ethnocracies. So it's that kind of focus on the idea of the nation as being for the kind of main ethnic group Mm -hmm. and trying to keep out migrants or to make them to assimilate. So I think that's a very kind of common position across the EU and that's the kind of mould that she fits into. So I'd actually be wary about saying, you know, we're not looking at Italy being kind of fascist again, but I think there are concerns about the way that in some ways this is descended from uh, fascism and also the kind of broader way of thinking uh, is kind of related to it. And we can kind of see that in in other uh, movements in European countries where some of the uh, ideas, I mean, apparently her slogan, or one of the slogans of the Italian social movement, which was that kind of fascist movement or post-fascist movement after the Second World War, uh, the slogan is God, family and fatherland. Mm. Very similar, in fact, to a kind of similar sort of ideas in Russia, but we can also talk about that in, say, Hungary. It's that idea of uh, of Christianity as being the kind of main basis for the national identity, the focus on family, which actually has implications, of course, for policy and maybe I'll do in terms of abortion. And fatherland, including that kind of ethnic idea, but both the kind of strong state, but also that this is the country for Italians in this case. Mm. Yeah, so you've touched on some of the, the general... Um, uh, threads of conservative politics and and how how there's anti-immigration is actually is quite a common one um, and that's something that Brothers of Italy Maloney's party is somewhat known for its anti-immigration policies but also known for its opposition uh, to the European Union um, so I'm wondering because Italy is this is a founding member of the European Union and it's a member of NATO what yeah. does the future of Europe look like with this conservative maybe far right government in power? Yeah, I mean, very good question. She, um, and what we've actually seen, uh, the same with Le Pen in France has been a bit more, more kind of wary about taking very kind of, um, 
almost a session, you know, um, exit stance. You know, there was talk about Frexit or Itexit as opposed to Brexit. So she's not talking about Italy leaving the European Union. Um, and part of the demonstration effect for Brexit was the kind of problems of doing so. So there's good reasons why even those who are um, sceptic about the European Union don't um, see uh, the benefits of coming out. Plus, of course, the geopolitical situation at the moment and the economic uh, factor. I mean, Italy is is one of the biggest, I think the biggest in terms of sums recipient of the post-COVID recovery fund, which is called Next Generation EU. Um, so Italy, of course, was very big, very badly hit by uh, uh, by the virus and also was still coming out of the eurozone crisis so the economic effects were very very strong so it's receiving a lot of money and so it's actually benefiting from being in the eu so i don't think we're looking at coming out of the eu but where we talk about euroscepticism here it's more about kind of emphasizing member state sovereignty as opposed to kind of transferring powers to the european union thing right. and it and it is a complex system but ultimately it comes down to if enough states can come together representing enough of the EU population, and Italy represents 13%, then they can block a lot of things. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of the significance may well be, is around um, that they will kind of combine with, and they can't be ignored anymore. Hungary and Poland maybe can be cast aside. Um, but as I say, not necessarily bringing down the EU, and Italy still dependent on money from the EU. And the other huge aspect, of course, is, is uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And on that, Maloney has been fairly firm in kind of uh, condemning the Russian invasion. She may have sympathies towards Putin's kind of ideology, a conservative ideology, but I don't think she's going anywhere near as far as Viktor Orban in Hungary of kind of almost sort of trying to say that the West was just as much at fault or to try and kind of reduce sanctions and so on. Mm. Nevertheless, she's got to create this coalition where there are members of that coalition, including Berlusconi, who are very kind of pro-Putin. So that's going to be one of her challenges, but also it's a big implication for the European Union. So Maloney, uh, as we pointed out, is Italy's first female leader. And um, similarly, Liz Truss, who was recently appointed PM in the UK, was their third. Um, Marine Le Pen came very close to victory in France. So there's kind of been this wave of conservative women sweeping through European politics. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it is tied to the ideology. We tend to kind of think of the sort of far right or this, or I wouldn't put trust in that, but the, um, uh, as being that kind of strong leader, the, the very sort of masculinist kind of way of representing power and so on. But the kind of wider ideology in, in Truss's case, kind of harking back to Thatcher about kind of minimal government, tax cuts and that, that sort of thing. Um, Thatcher kind of took the lead with that. Um, and then again, this kind of family values. So she sort of describes herself as a Christian mother, Maloney does. So, and, and Le Pen's a bit like that as well. Plus also, it can be electorally effective. It can actually appeal because, um, uh, take for example, Brexit. Um, there was definitely a clear majority of women voted against Brexit. And so and more men voted for Brexit. Um, so if you're actually getting a woman leader and maybe trying to kind of get support that way, it can be electorally effective. Having said all of that, um, and again, talking about with my course and uh, so each of the students kind of representing the head of state or government of each of these member states we do, we look through the 27 member states, their leaders, there are very few women. <laughs> there are, I think there was about five, there was just a whole kind of row of men in suits. Um, and one of them has recently fallen from power, the, the Swedish prime minister. 
So in fact, if you look at that kind of leadership across the EU, it's actually very much an exception. And those uh, female leaders do tend to be the Scandinavian, more left-leaning ones. So I'd, I'd be a bit wary about saying there's a pattern of kind of uh, conservative women coming to power. And who knows how long trust is going to stay in power. <laughs> that was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.